0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Week one is in the books for the Big Ten basketball season. Um, not really too much of excitement to report on. Um, for the most part, the week went as as planned. In fact, there was only one loss across the conference um, in the first set of games, and it was... Michigan State losing on an aircraft carrier to Gonzaga. So, overall, I think a pretty good week for the conference um, in in total. Uh, Most teams got through their sort of tune up games unscathed, but that doesn't mean that we don't have um, anything to report about what we saw. So, what we're going to do as usual is take you all through sort of what happened in in the first game, in the first week of games here. We're not going to hit on every game, but we will hit. On a few of them, as well as some big themes, and then we'll give you a little bit of preview of what what's happening in week two here, where we do kind of see some some true tests for the conference, whether it's in MTEs or just uh, the Gavit games are happening in week two, or just some individual one off games that looked interesting to us. Um, I'm here as always with Brett. Brett, how, you, how are we doing today?
1: I'm I'm good, Steve. I'm I'm just happy that it's college basketball season, so. Um, you know, like, like you said, not a ton to report, but it's, it's just good to be able to talk about college basketball again. So
0: excited to dive into it. Awesome. So let's get right into it. Um, so part of the marquee game of the week, as I mentioned, was, was Michigan State playing Gonzaga on an aircraft carrier in San Diego. Gonzaga only won this game by one. Uh, Brett, was this more, a reason for optimism, um, for Michigan State, or was it just a, a Gonzaga team that was maybe a little bit rusty, and um, what was only their, I believe, their second game of the year? Um,
1: I think there's a, an argument to be made to be made that both can can be true, um, and I think you also have to consider, uh, like like we'll talk about uh, with with at least one more game this week, um, the venue in terms of uh, getting things getting things going to start the season. I really. I don't know why they're doing this. These games um, in these weird venues. Uh, I feel like you know it's cool, sure, cool symbolism and stuff. But I don't know. You could play on a you could play on a ba- like a, an army base instead. There's a navy base there in San Diego, and I just think that you can't really take anything away from a or much away from a game in a venue like this. Even though I think I because mean, like you look, each team shot I believe under twenty five percent from three, which will not be the case for for each of those teams. They are playing in the sun it's just it's just weird overall but i do think that we had talked about the potential for michigan state to get off to a really slow start with uh games against gonzaga and villanova and for them to hold this you know really efficient gonzaga team to to under 70 points under a point per possession you know shows that at least they're starting to buy in on the defensive end and i think that's kind of what we had talked about uh and just how michigan state was really going to gel early in the season with some of these tests and so i think more than anything, that's something to be happy about if you're a Michigan State fan.
0: And I, I think the other thing you have to remember, I mean, Gonzaga lost, you know, a a a, a top draft pick. They lost a lot of veteran starters too. Timmy is still there, um, but a lot of the guys that they rolled out in their starting lineup were role players last year. So again, that doesn't mean that they're not gonna, you know, be a team that's, you know, probably in the mix for a second weekend of the tournament finish by the end of the year, but um, this is nowhere near the Gonzaga team I think we're going to see by the end of the year. Um, So I agree with you. I think there's reason for optimism on on both fronts. The other, well, I guess I shouldn't say the other, the only Power 5 matchup to take place between uh, a Big Ten team this week was at um, I want to say Miller Park, and you, you can call it, it Miller I, Park. I know it's call not it Miller, Miller Park. Park anymore. But um, Wisconsin and Stanford played a basketball game at a baseball stadium, um, and and Wisconsin won in in true Wisconsin fashion. Now, you know, Wisconsin, d- despite losing Johnny Davis, they do return. I mean, you know, three starters and a key role player from their team last year. You know, and they all contributed in this game. Brett, what did you see out of Wisconsin that you liked in this win over Stanford here?
1: Um, I think, again, it was, it was uh, like like in the Michigan State game, hard to take a lot of things away, especially offensively. Both teams shot terribly. I believe Stanford was one for 16 from three, and I think the reports were pretty much that the sight lines were just just pretty bad because um, you don't play base, basketball in a baseball stadium normally. But I think, again, I think you're looking and seeing a Stanford team that, was, that has the potential to make the tournament this year uh, just really kind of run into the ground without without many options offensively so i think again the defense was there uh they're getting a a pretty pretty a lot of a lot of contributions uh across the board offensively uh jordan davis chipped in 13 points tyler wall had 17 um and but what i'm really liking so far out of wisconsin across their two games is chucky hepburn looks way more in control and and much improved and like you had mentioned uh in our preview that's kind of gonna that's going to be key if if you know the badgers want to stay relevant and and make a push for the tournament uh this year. So I think that's that's encouraging if you're a Wisconsin fan and also the emergence of Connor Asijian, uh the the only freshman on the team who has a, a great shooting stroke and, and really will look to make an impact from distance this year, which is an area that the Badgers had uh a tough time making work last year.
0: Yeah, so I think that that win um well it didn't wasn't the prettiest thing. <laughs> Stanford only shot 6% from 3, but I think good win to have in your back pocket Um, should Wisconsin end up near on the bubble um, when it comes to tournament prospects at the end of the year. So a good week one to win there. Um, You know, maybe the last big game that, that we'll hit on. And I, I chuckle as I call this a big game, but let's talk about Michigan and Eastern Michigan since that was, I don't think many people expected that to be a close game. um, But you know, on Friday night, Michigan won 88 to 83 over Eastern Michigan. Um, this game is played at Little Caesars Arena. And I think uh, things to keep in mind about Eastern Michigan. So those of you who follow recruiting definitely know the name Emily Bates. He uh, was committed to Michigan State. He was one of the top recruits in the country from the state of Michigan, was recruited to Michigan State, eventually decommitted, went to Memphis last year, got into some issues with breaking the law, and he's, he's now back home playing for Eastern Michigan. He he put up 30 in this game on 12-19 shooting, um, really looked like a legitimate NBA player in this game. Um, and that sort of kept Eastern Michigan in the game for most of it. Michigan was eventually able to, to pull away. Um, they got a big game from Hunter Dickinson, who scored 31, and uh, uh, Terrence, Williams, Terrence Williams had a double-double. J- Jalen Noel made some big shots down the stretch. From my perspective, um, I mean, a little bit of cause for concern for Michigan when you especially looked at their defensive cohesion. I think they got a little bit ambushed by Emily Bates. Curious to see what happens when Eastern plays Michigan State um, again later in the season. I'm sure Mr. Bates will have that game circled. Yeah, defensive cohesion difficult when you have a team where you're, you know, you're only returning a couple of key contributors from last year. Uh, but I, I think do you see anything in this game that makes you worry if you're a Michigan fan?
1: So I think I think a couple there are a couple it, important contextual points to add. I mean, I think there's a chance that even with just Imani Bates and Noah Farrakhan, Eastern Michigan can really be a threat in the MAC. So I think, you know, it's it's not out of the question that they end up. Taking taking a bid there, because uh, usually in a in a league like that, two 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 players like that are are enough to kind of get you get you pretty far. So, I think with that in mind, that obviously helps it put me put me at ease a little bit if I'm a Michigan fan. I think the other good thing is I think I've I've been screaming for the last basically year and a half that when Michigan needs to get buckets in games like this, they need to feed Hunter Dickinson, and they actually they did this game, you know. He could 17 shots maybe a little bit less than I would have expected but he still had 31 points um and that would that's so that's good to see uh I hear your concerns on the on the defensive end um so I think that's definitely something to monitor um especially I feel like with with all all new uh guards in the starting lineup just to kind of get that cohesion and see how they kind of work with more high powered offense against more high powered offensive players in the future. Uh, I will say I I do like what I'm seeing out of Jet Howard so far. I think that he's very unafraid to shoot the ball, which I feel like for for some freshmen, and I think that you know immediately calls to mind Caleb Houston could be a little tentative uh, to start their start their college careers. And I I like that he's willing to to shoot the ball, and he looks he's he's got a great great form. Uh, so I think that will help um you know kind of provide another bucket getter on the, on the floor when they need him. But again, I think it's just really getting into the swing of things uh, for, for a team with high expectations. So I wouldn't push the panic button just yet.
0: One other funny contextual point on that game. Um, for those of you that don't know, Eastern Michigan's coach is Stan Heath, who um, had a uh, – he, he had a stint in Arkansas. Like he's got a decent amount of coaching experience. And I think he was on that Kent, Kent State team. He was a coach of that Kent State team that made a – Deep tournament run in the early 2000s. So, um, yeah. I, again, I think all this to fuel your point of Eastern Michigan might be a team to watch in the in the MAC this year. Um, and I will say, just from watching every minute of that game, I mean, Emi Bates, uh, he is a baller. Uh, the only other game of note from Week One that was moderately close was Minnesota. Defeating Western Michigan by one um, on, on Monday, they won 61-60. Again, I think we know Minnesota, you know, still a little bit of a rebuilding job for for Coach Johnson there. Um, it was a little bit of a, a struggle for, for them. Um, Western Michigan, you know, really put it to them in the second half. It was a good job for that team to find a way to avoid disaster there. If you recall last year, Minnesota got off to a, a hot start. You know, last year, or so you know, good for them to, to not get completely ambushed here and suffer the loss. They're gonna have they're, they're gonna have to find a third horse on this team. Um, just you know, as we start talking about them um, going forward, Talon Cooper and 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 Garcia really carried them in, in this game. But you know, we'll talk more about Minnesota as the season goes on. Um, other wanted to hit on just some other general things we saw in the first week. Um, you know b- before we talk about a few injury notes and then get into the games taking place this week um, one of the guys we talked about in our uh, season preview show is Zach Eady. he's on the he's on most everyone's watch list for first team all conference and potentially conference player of the year so he's averaging um, 21 and 14 which I don't think is a surprise to either of us I think the The bigger surprise to us is that it's in 28 minutes per game. I know it's only a two game sample there, but it's good to see him. um, It's good to see him playing a lot of minutes um, and I'd expect that he will healthily be averaging a double double um, as, as the season progresses here. Brett, did you see anything out of Zach Eady that I think is, is um, notable one way or another as you watched him?
1: No, I mean, I, he's kind of everything we figured he'd be so far. And I, I mean, you have to kind of put it into context that they've only played Milwaukee and Austin P and neither of those teams have anything even remotely close to his size. But I think that Painter obviously trusts him with an increased workload. Um, he's actually, I believe, playing the most or just under the most minutes on the team as a whole. Um, so I think that, and he's been extremely efficient in doing so. He's 62% from the field. Um so, yeah, I think I think that's that's a good sign if you're a Purdue fan that that there's going to be uh, some stability as as the season kind of goes and, and the rotations get figured out.
0: Another thing that we talked about in our previews were just the notion of transfers coming in and being big contributors on, you know, a lot of um, teams that are you know going to be in the running for a tournament spot and conference title. And one that we didn't really talk about that much was, was Sam Griesel who's on Nebraska right now, transferring from North Dakota state. He, he's averaging 20 a game um, in, in his first two. And then one guy that we definitely didn't talk about was Dane danger. The, I guess the guy who I thought would be the backup center on the Illini, um, but he's played a lot of meaningful minutes from them. He's averaging 18 and 13. Again, it's, it's early. Um, But that is not the Baylor transfer that I expected to be the the guy that we'd be talking about after two games there. And then I think just a, another, a couple of other, you know, statistically interesting things that we saw. So Jaden Pickett and Talon Cooper are leading the conference in assists right now at eight per game. I, Brett, I don't know where that lands on your, um, you know, most um, shocking thing.
1: I think the more, in, I, I mean, obviously, yeah, he's done a really good job setting the table, but... Penn State's 10th in the country in three-point percentage right now. Uh, they have made exactly 50% of their threes. They're scoring 90 points a game, and they're still one of the slowest tempo teams in the country. I, I mean, if that's not incredibly efficient offense, I couldn't tell you what is. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think coming into the season, we were both pretty high on um, on on Micah Shrewsbury as a coach, if not necessarily this roster. But, I mean, Man, if they keep shooting fifty percent from three, I think they're gonna prove all of us wrong and Jalen Pickett might actually end up on that first team all big ten. Um, but I think it's it's good to see that they they kinda take they take, they took down a, a notable mid major in in Winthrop with with no problem and did the same thing to Loyola Maryland. So I think they're they're off on the right start for sure. Uh and then as as we've talked about obviously with the transfer point guards, so Talon Cooper specifically, it can take a bit to really kind of come in and, and get that get used to that jump up in in Quality of, of play, and Minnesota's first couple of opponents may leave something to be desired. But it's good to see him taking the reins, especially with uh, with Jamison Battle hurt for for Minnesota. So he's been able to effectively play make and, and get Dawson Garcia involved, and that's kind of been the two man game for Minnesota so far.
0: And then I think a couple of notable team stats here. So Iowa fans may have been worried that they're they'll have scoring problems with the departure of of Murray. Um, they are averaging 100 points per game in their first two games. That's obviously unsustainable, but it's good to know that tempo is still king for Mr. McCaffrey over there. Purdue, on the other hand, showing that they still, you know, can defend with the best of them. They're only allowing 49 points a game um, in in their first two games here. Um, Let's talk about injuries. So we didn't hit this in our preview show, but I think, you know, a couple of big injuries on teams that – you know, teams that have tournament aspirations this year. So, first, the Illini. Lucas Goody had um, like a mysterious foot surgery take place about a week before the season started. Um, don't know that there's been an announcement on when he'll return, but it's not expected to be season ending. Um, I, I think this actually is a big deal just because, you know, while Illinois retooled and their, you know, top five or six guys. You know, should I think they they probably have the the top like starting crew plus you know sixth man of really any team in the Big Ten. But after that, you know, depth is a question. We talked about Dane Danger kind of coming out of nowhere as a potential spark for them. I think this Goody injury though is, is is might hurt them as they try to you know be as cohesive as they can to to start out the year and really acclimate a lot of these new guys into their offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think, like you said, anytime you, you lose some sort of continuity, it 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 hurts, even if he kind of was a more, more of a bit player last year. Um, but yeah, and I think, I mean, if there was going to be one spot that Illinois needed to suffer a loss, I think, I think kind of guard wing is where they can at least put more guys and, and kind of retool lineups, but yeah, it's, it's never good to have, have an injury like that. Um, so hopefully, uh, Hopefully he's back in and playing relatively soon.
0: And then for Rutgers, so Caleb McConnell hasn't played a game yet, um, and and Paul he got injured early in their second game, um, and and he he missed the remainder of that game. So two injuries to two pretty key pieces for Rutgers. Um, you don't want to get too you don't make too much of an overreaction to this, but with them starting to have, you know, legitimate competition this week, you hope that that doesn't hold them back as far as their ability to um, build their resume, especially just because with, with this team, you know, I know I know we're I think, cautiously optimistic about this Rutgers team this year, but they're going to need some good non-conference wins to put together a strong tournament bid. So those are two injuries to watch you know, even this week as, as Rutgers, you know, ramps up with higher competition.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, you know I, if you're Rutgers, those are two guys, you, two basically the two guys you cannot afford to lose for for a sustained period of time. Um, and I think you know I think it's probably a good thing for them that they're not playing in the, in the Gava games this this week, but and get some time off. But I think yeah, obviously situations to monitor. Um, okay, his future is seems to be uncertain,
0: um, but so hopefully he can uh, he can make a swift recovery. And then I think the final injury note: to Jamison Battle for Minnesota. Um, Brett, what what's going on with him?
1: Yeah, he hasn't played yet, um, and I, I believe I believe it's a foot injury. No, the information seems to be a little slow to come out, but it doesn't seem that anyone on on that side of the internet is extremely worried. Um, but again, I think like we've said, with depth being a huge issue for uh, for Minnesota. This is obviously something to watch, um, and you know, hope uh, you know we'll we'll see if uh, if he can make a timely return to the court and, and provide the the scoring punch that he is he is very much known for.
0: Awesome, and in our last few minutes here, we'll just give you a little glimpse into the games to watch for this week, um, because because the, there are a good chunk of them. As as we've talked about the Gavit games, um, which pit a Big Ten team against. Uh, a big East team. These games take place all throughout the course of the week. On Monday, things get started with Minnesota taking on DePaul and Penn State taking on Butler. Um, I think those are two good opportunities there for kind of bottom half of the Big Ten teams to pick up strong wins over bottom half of the Big East teams. Um, And I think, you know, what we just mentioned about Penn State's early season success, that's a really good opportunity for them to, get a win that can kind of catapult them um, into, you know, a really strong start to their year. And so they have momentum going into the conference play. Um, on Tuesday, two additional games, Northwestern takes on Georgetown. I'm going to talk about kind of the plight of Northwestern on the preview shows this year. We'll see how they do in their first real test. Um, but what I think could be a sneaky good game, Marquette taking on Purdue. Brett, do you have any thoughts on that game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be one of those games where we see uh if you know, not not a huge test for Purdue. I think this Marquette team is is going to be a little bit down compared to what we normally expect, but it's still they still have uh definitely some offensive threats in in guys like Tyler Kolek and and David Joplin. Uh but you know, I think it's it's really the first measuring stick test for Purdue uh as they as they transfer uh from Transform, excuse me, from having a guy like Jaden Ivey that that is one of the physically explosive get to the hoop guys. And we really see if if painters painters offense and and new guys are really, really playing together. I, I'm looking specifically at Brandon Smith. Uh, He's been putting he's been getting a lot of minutes at, at point guard. And, and as a true freshman, I think this is this is a really good uh, first first, you know, power six, if you want to call it test. Uh, and it's at home, which I think I think helps uh, kind of calm the nerves a little bit. Not going into uh, a pretty hostile environment over at Pfizer.
0: And then also on Tuesday, so Michigan State, you know, with really no um, no uh, easy cupcake game to rebound from their game against Gonzaga, they take on Kentucky in the Champions Classic. Um, you know, which Michigan State's part of this yearly sort of rotation of games. Um, between you know uh, Duke, Kansas, Michigan State, and Kentucky, where so you know th- again uh, this is going to be that classic kind uh, of Tom Izzo you know prep his team with a tough schedule game. We'll, we'll see we'll see how they hang again. I think if 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 I, I don't think anyone expects Michigan State to win this game, but if they if they hang tough with Kentucky, you know I think it's really going to open some eyes. Um, they've got a tough three-game stretch here. The third game of which we'll talk about in a second here, but um, you you just hope that this you just hope that Izzo didn't pull this one notch too much the wrong way, um, and and dig them too big of a hole that they can't get out of. This, if, even if they lose this game, it won't be a bad loss. But um, we're really going to see, I think, what this veteran Michigan State core is made of um, as they take on the the number four team in the country here. Um, On Wednesday, a, a couple of, I think, maybe more under the radar games, but games nonetheless to watch. So Michigan takes on Pitt in the first round of the Legends Classic on Wednesday. You're a Michigan fan. You, you'll want to see your team win this game. Um, But especially after their sort of disappointing performance against Eastern Michigan on Friday, um, that's a, again, I don't know that that's going to be like a resume boosting win if Michigan gets it. Pitt was not uh, great last year to um, be Mm -hmm. kind, but um, uh, nonetheless, a a power five win is always one you want to get. So we'll see how, how they fare there. But Iowa Seton Hall, you know, so Seton Hall has a new coach. um, The, the St. Peter's coach, you know, is, is, is now the coach there. This game's in New Jersey. Um, you know, Iowa, with a kind of unproven roster with, with, all, with, you know, no Keegan Murray on it this year. I think that'll be a, a sneaky good game to see whether Iowa's for real.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and through, through two games, uh, albeit against Monmouth and St. Peter's, uh, Seton Hall is 23rd, uh, in adjusted defense per Ken Palm. So, you know, you've got, got one of those, uh, Something has to give. Games uh, with with Iowa's offense and, and the stout defense of uh, Seton Hall. So I think, yeah, that's going to be a nice nice little measuring stick for this Iowa team, as because I think you know they have a chance to really come prove uh, people, specifically me, wrong by by putting on a good show in uh, in New Jersey. So I think, yeah, that's that's I think more of an under the radar game of the week, but I think that one should just be wildly entertaining from a tactics perspective.
0: And then I think speaking of wildly entertaining, so the Gavit games end on Friday with Indiana taking on Xavier. You wonder if Sean Miller's coming for Archie's revenge here in this game. Um, I, other than that, I don't know that that there's much there from a highline perspective. But nonetheless, I think a good opportunity for um, Indiana to... Um, at least prove that they can win on the road, and you know that will not be an easy environment to win in there.
1: I'm I'm just intrigued to see the the post game because I you know Jack Nunge and Zach Fremantle are are a, a big combo uh, inside for Xavier, and some, some Big Ten fans will remember Jack Nunge from his Iowa days. But uh, so I think Trace Jackson Davis and and Race Thompson will have their hands full trying to guard those two guys.
0: And then the the third game of Michigan State's gauntlet takes place on Friday when Villanova comes to town. So Villanova just kind of came off of a a cringy loss to Temple. Um, you know, they're still trying to um, figure out their identity is in the Kyle Neptune era. This is probably the most winnable of the three game gauntlet that Michigan State has. So good opportunity for them to get a marquee win. I think Villanova will be there by the end of the season. They're just sort of Sorting out some growing pains with a lot of roster turnover. So that'll be an interesting game. Um, Illinois takes on UCLA. I believe that's in Vegas. So you know, that's a game of two highly ranked teams. Um, so definitely tune into that. If you've, you've got some time on on Friday night, we'll get an opportunity to see whether Illinois is for real or not. Um, and then the other game that I noted for you guys this week, Temple and Rutgers. I, it just, you know... It, we just mentioned Temple pulling off the upset over Villanova um, last week. Again, injury concerns are probably top of mind for Rutgers fans, but that's an opportunity for them to pick up a what what would look like a now good resume boosting win for them this week.
1: Yeah, uh, it will be their their highest ranked Ken Palm opponent uh, in the non conference until we get into the uh, into mid December. So yeah, this is this is. I don't want to call it a must-win four games into the season, but I mean, if if they're playing with a, if they're dealing with a limited Mulcahy and potentially no McConnell, uh, this would be be huge because I think I think losing a Temple would be one of those those things come Selection Sunday that uh, cast a cast a big shadow over any tournament aspirations that Rutgers has. So interested to see how they rebound from uh, with with hopefully a more healthy team. But if not, um, I would expect them to lean on Omari a lot
0: to to get the job done. All right. that That's all we got for you today. Um, it was a good week one in the books for the conference. We'll see how things go in week two when the games start getting real. Um, so thanks, as always, for tuning in, and we'll be with you next week to break down what happened.